Kind of looks like an eagle to me on that screen, right? Um, you know, do you, do you remember last week when we ended up in Mark chapter 6 and verse 6? There was a statement in that chapter there that uh, said that it was about Jesus, said that he was amazed, it was saying that uh, he was amazed at their unbelief. In fact, in verse 5 uh, uh, of chapter 6, it tells us that that he was so utterly amazed at their lack of belief that he couldn't do any miracles or he couldn't do he could do very little of that. Or there just wasn't much that he could do around there because they had such little belief in him. And I, I have to admit, when I think about that, it just kind of confuses me. I don't really re- quite understand. I don't get it, how they could be so blind to what appears to me to be so obvious how they could see so much and yet see so little. Uh, if you want to join with me on this, uh, I want to do a, take you on a little journey this morning. I'm going to really actually go back to, to chapter 1 and just kind of uh, point out some things. I'm just going to kind of catch us up just a little bit here. If you want to just follow along, that's great. Uh, we're going to kind of go a little fast, but uh, so you're going to need your Bibles and just kind of flip through some pages here a little bit. If not... Um, I do have a few things on the screen if you want to look at that. If not, uh, I'll just read these texts for you. But I want to just go back, clear back to chapter 1 uh, of, of the book of Mark. Uh, remember, we've been looking and we've been in this series of meeting or good news in a changing world, looking at the gospel of, of Mark. And uh, the real title of my message is Following Jesus Requires an Uncommon Faith. Uh, I know I just wrote on it that uncommon faith. But it really, I want the, the the point I want us to see today is that following Jesus requires requires an uncommon faith. But back in chapter one, I mean, we were just getting started, and you start hearing statements like this. You look at verse thirty or twenty-seven, and it says, "The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, this, what is this? That they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching, and with authority, he even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him." And then verse 28 says, news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And then you just kind of pop down to verse number 33, and what do you read there? It says, the whole town gathered at the door. Well, then maybe you want to skip just a little bit later in that same chapter, chapter 1, and you look at verse number 45 there. And it says that instead, to speaking of Jesus, it says he went out and he, be, or I'm speaking of the, of the man, uh, it says he began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, it says that Jesus could no longer, this is the person that was, was down in the garrisons after the evil spirit was, was taken out, but Jesus could no longer, as a fact, since he was spreading the news, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. Or you, you, you jump ahead to chapter 2 and verse 2. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 12 says, He got up, took his mat, he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this before. Chapter uh, 3, verse 7 and a large crowd gathered from Galilee. 
chapter 3, verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. This is a big jump. Chapter 5, verse 21. A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Chapter 6, verse 34. I love to hear the crinkling of pages. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, jump down to verse 55 of that same chapter, chapter 6, they ran throughout the whole region, verse 55, they ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to, to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces, they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Chapter 7, verse 24. He could not keep his presence secret. That's the end of that verse. He could not keep his, his presence secret. Uh, verse number 37, it says that people were overwhelmed with Amazement. I, I, what I want you, I mean, do you hear what I'm, what I'm trying to get at? Everywhere Jesus goes, everyone knows who this guy is. Everyone knows that. It, they're flocking to see him. Everybody wants to be around him. Uh, he's just got this incredible notoriety. And yet, in the opening chapter of, or opening verses uh, of chapter 6, you hear this. Oh, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's little boy? Don't we know who his brothers and sisters are? are, are I mean, I, don't you just, uh, just kind of sometimes want to just throw up your hands and say, don't they get it? Don't they understand? I mean, surely after seeing all of, the, all of this, surely after observing all of those things, they would finally come to the place that they would understand. But then you come to chapter 8, verse number 11. This is, but this is what you hear there. Listen, listen to this, chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, verse 11. It says that the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign for heaven, from heaven, and he sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a, for a miraculous sign? I tell you, the truth, no sign will be given to it. And then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. Show us a sign. If only we could see a sign. Just show us a little miracle. Well, then we'll believe. Well, God did show up, by the way. Um, you know that, right? He looked a lot like, like George Burns. The movie was called Oh, God. He was looking for somebody that was kind of going to do a little bit of preaching for him, and he he picked this supermarket fellow by the name of, uh, well, actually, you guys might know him or knew him as John Denver. And God just, he just wanted somebody. He just wanted anybody just to stand up and say something for him. But even the hand-picked preacher, he wasn't sure that he believed. So maybe you can resonate a little bit with this. I see you know a lot of things, and, and, and you've been making a lot of things happen, but, but none of it seems godlike. 
Yeah, godlike. And what to you would be godlike? Uh, change the weather. Ah, special effects, huh? What would you like? A little, a little earthquake? Uh, a small hurricane? Well, no, no, I, I wouldn't want anybody hurt. I was just thinking maybe, uh, what about a little rain? A little rain? Yeah, a, a small shower. One small shower, you got it. Hey, hey, it's raining. You made it rain. You didn't even bat an eye. You, you didn't have to lift a finger. Rain's not that hard. It's unbelievable. Would you like it to rain a little harder? No, no, this is fine. How about bigger drops? No, it's fine, fine. Would you care for a little snow? I don't believe it. Hey, hey, it, it's not raining outside. It's just in here. Why should I spoil everybody's day? This is fantastic. Thank you. It's just like Noah's Ark. The same thing, without the smell. are just outsiders or outsiders. They don't know what they're looking for. They, they're looking for, I think, the, the wrong thing. You know, I mean, you got Matthew chapter 4. Jesus said when he, talks in, when, when he talked in parables that some people would get it. Some people wouldn't get it. Insiders would understand. Outsiders wouldn't understand. And sometimes outsiders are just really outsiders. They, they look for the wrong stuff. And so when they encounter that which really matters, they just never really see it. They, it just never makes any sense to them. I mean, you've seen that, haven't you? People who have encountered Jesus and it just doesn't click. People who have, who have come face to face with Jesus uh, have, have, have encountered him. I see that. I see that all the time. I've, I've I've, you know, it's just like that deer in the headlights moment when you talk to somebody about, you ever, you, you, you talk to somebody about the gospel and it's just like, huh? It doesn't make sense. It's just like, I just don't understand. And it's, it's not that that's terribly bad necessarily. It's just that it, it just means that they don't yet see the thing that they're supposed to see. But surely those who are insiders, now I'm using terminology here, outsiders, inside. I don't know how, to, how else to say that, but, but, but certainly the insiders, you know, they understand it, right? I mean, you think about the 12 disciples of Jesus, right? You know, they're, they're the ones that Jesus specially called aside, kind of took them on in these special little journeys. They're the only ones, you know, when, when Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick, you know, um, they're the only ones who were, were there when, when she got healed. Uh, they, they get to watch that, those kinds of things firsthand. They're the, they're the ones that are present when Jesus explains the parables. You know, at the end of chapter 4, uh, uh, he says that he took the disciples aside and he explained everything to them. Uh, the, these are the guys that are in the boat when Jesus is asleep, and, and they woke him up, and, they, and he said, Peace be still, and the storm uh, was just calm completely. And these are the guys, uh, these are the guys in the boat. I mean... They saw all of those things happen. These are the guys in chapter 6 who are actually allowed to do miracles themselves. <laughs> They've actually been empowered to go out and, and do miracles. These are the guys that are there when the 5,000 people or, or 5,000 men are sitting on the ground and there's a bunch of women and children there too. And Jesus says, 
you know, feed them. And they said, well, we've only got five loaves and two fishes. And, and he says, we'll feed them anyway. These are the guys that carried 12 basketfuls of leftovers home with them. These are the guys that are out watching Jesus walk on water. These are the guys who, in chapter 8, who, when Jesus fed 4,000 people with just seven loaves of bread, are, are the ones who picked up seven basketfuls of leftovers, right? And surely they understand because they have this kind of inside track, right? I want you to look at chapter 8. Look at chapter 8. Look at verse number 14. Mark chapter 8, verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now, they discussed this with one another, verse 16, and said, it is because we have no bread. Uh, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you, not, do you still not see or understand? Are, are your hearts hardened? but fail to see, and ears, but fail to hear. And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? I mean, here's all the, 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 the proof I, I know how to offer. He says, don't, don't you remember when I did these things? Don't you get it? Is this not making sense to you? Well, I wonder. You want to flip that picture there? I, I look at that, and I, I wonder. Maybe if I, I, I have to stand in a little different place to, to see maybe something. It looks like an eagle, right? You see all those other things. You stand back a little bit, and yeah, now I can see it. You got some mountain goats. You got a bear. You got a wolf. You got a mountain lion. You got some other things. I mean, you start to look at things from a little different perspective. I, I think it matters sometimes where you look at things from. I, I think that matters. You know, sometimes you just kind of have to widen your lens a little bit. Now, that's a simple picture. But sometimes you just need a little different perspective on, on things. You have to just kind of look at things differently, and suddenly you begin to see things that you might not have ever seen before because you're looking at it from a different place. Well, God came back, actually, this time to a courtroom. And there's a judge, and he's, and there's a lawyer, and, and, and the guy that you see in the blue suit, he's the preacher. You'll recognize him. Why don't you take a look at this? What's my most impressive miracle? Aha. Uh -huh. Pick a card. Uh, what? Pick a card. Any card. I, I, I don't know what you think you're doing. A cute little miracle. Go ahead, pick one. Well, there are no cards there. Look again. Oh, oh come on now. There's nothing miraculous about good sleight of hand. Have you ever seen this one? 
Well, yes, yes, I've, I've seen them make cards appear and disappear. As a matter of fact, I once saw a magician make an elephant disappear. Good. Now I'll show you one that you haven't seen. Got to get these shoes fixed. <laughs> Watch this, Your Honor. in these times to have faith. But maybe if you could have the faith to start with, maybe the times would change. You could change them. Think about it. Try. And try not to hurt each other. There's been enough of that. And it really gets in the way. I'm a god of very few words, and Jerry's already given you mine. However hopeless, helpless, Mixed up and scary it all gets. It can work. If you find it hard to believe in me, maybe it would help you to know that I believe in you. Your Honor, I rest my case. I, I just, just for a little bit of self, uh, the theology in that movie is probably not accurate. <laughs> I'm not even talking about the clips that I've had, but uh, and I haven't actually seen the whole thing, but uh, recently anyway. Um, the uh, the interesting thing is is that they go on and they, after he disappears, they go back into a uh, they pull together and they go back into a room and they all sit and stand around and say, "What what did we just see here?" Here and they go through the transcribers and they listen to the tape recorders and there's no voice of God, there's no there's nothing on the printed page and and they're all saying, "Well, maybe did we?" Let's just say that I think that the only thing that we can prove today is that what we just saw didn't happen. That's pretty much what they said. But I, I, I just come back to what I was saying before. Sometimes insiders are just like outsiders. I didn't say it that way, did I? Sometimes insiders are just like outsiders. We don't, all of us, we don't understand. No matter how much evidence God seems to give us, we don't always quite ever get it. We just never quite see it the way that he's intending it to be seen for us. I, I think it's so much a mystery. I think it's not magic. It's, it's a mystery. And, and quite frankly, I think that our younger generation, and I, I, I wrestled with how to, to share this, but our younger generation really doesn't have nearly as much trouble as maybe some of the rest of us who are, well, at least 50 years old or older. Um, I, I've always said that, um, you know, I, I'm, I guess, I guess uh, what I'm saying is, that, you know, if you're a certain age, you know, maybe that 50 years, or, 50 years or older, you grew up in with the scientific method, right? We all know about science. The, the fancy word for that is, is modernity. Now, I, I have to be a little bit more specific on that a little bit, I guess, because w Modernity is that scientific kind of thing, and, and actually I'm more of a different generation. I'm kind of a schizophrenic because I'm, I'm part of the postmodern generation, but I, I have a lot of values from the modern generation, and, 
and if you know some of those terminologies. But it's, it's like this. Let me explain it like this. It's like for the modern generation, it's like when the apple falls from the tree, it goes straight down. That's really what we're talking about when we're talking science, right? Newton called that gravity. And everybody else, for, for everybody, it just, everything else made sense. Um, two plus two equals four, right? And, and everything was the way that it was supposed to be. That's what the modern generation was like. Well, um, today's generation didn't grow up on Newton's apple. They grew up on Einstein's theory of relativity. And, and everything was relative, and science didn't always make sense, and, and you can't always fix everything. And I, I guess an example that I had, and I was thinking about this this week, that, that, that maybe is a good example of that is, is the Apollo 13 space program versus the Space Shuttle Challenger space program. Uh, Apollo 13, uh, 13 launched on April, 13th of or April 11th of 1970, and it wasn't long before they got off the, uh, out into space. Um, where they recognized that all of a sudden they were going to have trouble. And they started to have trouble, making it actually virtually almost impossible to return to land safely. And yet, their scientists from down here, within 20 minutes, the scientists were able to fix the problem. And then six days later, Apollo 13 came home. Some of you are old enough to have seen that, seen that on television. And we're probably just standing there going, oh, you know, I was a little young when that happened, but I understand about it. And I've seen, well, I've seen the movie, right? Because that's all factual. I have a bit of it. But a generation later was the Space Shuttle Challenger that took all of 73 seconds after the launch for the Challenger just to explode and kill all seven passengers. I remember exactly where I was at when that happened and just stood there in just utter, <gasps> and it just highlighted the very fact that you just can't fix everything. And, and I guess what I'm saying is this, for some of us, all we need to do is say once, you know, Jesus, I love you. That's propositional truth. It's a statement of fact, but... Our younger generation didn't grow up on statements of fact necessarily, but on, on statements of on, on mystery and on musings and on, on meditation. And they, they don't want to say one time, God, I love you. They want to say over and over in sort of a meditative kind of way, they want to say, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it, it's, it's, it, it's, not, it's not about magic. It's mystery, and, and, and quite honestly, when you get right down to it, it's, it's really a matter of, well, it's really a matter of faith, not proof. And, and what I'm saying is an uncommon disciple needs an uncommon faith because all of the evidence in the world will never convince the person who does not want to see what Jesus has to offer. All of the evidence, evidence in the world will never convince the person who does not want to see what Jesus has to offer. It's, it's a matter of faith. The guy's name is France, or Jean-Francois Gravelet. <coughs> He's a Frenchman known better as Blondin, Charles Blondin. 
He's the guy back in 1859 who strung the 1,100-foot rope across the Niagara Falls. Um, and if you've ever been there, that's a big hole. And he walked back and forth across that rope. Uh, you read about him. He did it something like, uh, I don't know, 30-plus times he did that. He actually he went out on that, on that rope, and he actually cooked himself some lunch out there, cooked some, bake, bake, or cooked some eggs. Um, he uh, walked across it blindfolded. He, he, he let people bind his hands and his feet, actually, you know, uh, uh, with manacles, you know. And, 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 and he went out there and walked across there that way. Uh, he used to ride a bicycle over that. He even act, in fact, one day he even pushed a wheelbarrow back and forth uh, on this. And, but, but never quite satisfied. It was on August the 17th of 1859, he took his manager fellow by the name of Harry Colkerd. He talked, to his, talked his manager uh, into getting up on his back and letting him carry him across. Uh, he got actually about a third of the, the way across, and one of the guy wires broke. <laughs> and yeah, he, he just about lost it. Um, and it took him 42 minutes to get across. He had to stop and take 42 rests times. Um, and, and, and I'm sure that you've heard this before. I know what the legend is. The legend is that he pushed that wheelbarrow across and he said, you know, do you believe I can do this? And everybody said, yes, we believe you can do that. And, and then he said, well, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow then with me, right? Um, well, it was really his manager. And yet I've got to be honest with you that if he had said to me, you know, do you want to get in this wheelbarrow or do you want to climb on my back, I think I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm the guy that's saying, I don't think so. <laughs> I, you know, I think it's really a lot like that, isn't it? We offer to Jesus, or we offer to people Jesus. Uh, that's what we're about. We offer them. And, 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 and we, can't, we can't prove it to them. We can only offer to people this promise that he can carry you no longer, no, no, no matter what you uh, are needing him to carry. He can carry you no matter what you're needing him to carry. He can handle whatever it is. And yet, but then it's up to them to decide whether or not they're going to, to actually climb upon Jesus' shoulders and let him do it. Because God can't do that for, for them. That's entirely up to them. It's a, it's a matter of faith whether or not you are willing to trust him and to, to, in order to carry your life. And it, it just occurred to me. I mean, you know, we, we live in this culture where everything, everybody seems to have it together. You know, ask, how are you doing today? Oh, everything's great and everything else. We don't, and, and everybody seems to have it all together. And, and everyone says that they're a Christian, you know, they, they have it all together and, and that, they are, that they are, you know, you ask them that, are you a Christian or you got it together? Yep, they are and they do. And yet it occurred to me that, that maybe, maybe some of us here, it, it occurred to me that maybe some of us here today that, 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 that don't, uh, maybe, maybe you haven't yet decided to, to walk with him or to follow with him or to carry you, or maybe you have made that decision in the past, but somehow, you know, life just gets you off track and it's, it, it, life just needs, you just, you need to once again say, God, you know, I want to trust in you. I do. I trust in you, and I'm willing to let you carry me in life. Uh, by the way, I really think that's a decision we need to make every day. 
Because life does happen, doesn't it? I mean, I think about times when I've gone through and I, I needed somebody. That's what the church is for. And that's really part of my, what I really want to help us to see is that the church is for that, to help us to, to move and to get on track and to, 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 to be stronger and, and focused on Jesus. Cause, because sometimes, you know, life just happens and it, it has this way of throwing curveballs at us and, and throwing us off of our foundation and our culture. Our culture today sometimes has a way of, of distorting God's word and, and his truth and, and helping us not to see what God's truth really is. And, and I also know that the more that I read and the more that I understand God's word, the more that I just become aware of what God wants for my life. And that always leads me to a point of deciding, do I follow him today or not? Do I listen to what he says or not? But see, all of that comes down to a question. Will you see him for what he really is? Will you see him? Are you willing to look at him for who he really is? The one who has the ability to carry you through life. And that's what we got to be about here. Whether we come to church on a Sunday morning and, you know, struggling or wrestling with something, or maybe our faith is just kind of like in limbo somewhere, to bring it, us back to the point where we're saying, you know what, Jesus, I want to give you all of my attention. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want you to be the one where I, I, I recognize that you are able to carry me. And I, wanna, I want us to be a church that helps people to come and see that every single week. And if we have decisions to make, that we do that. And if we need help making those, that we can help, that there's people here that can help us make to do that. I don't want to take, I don't want to assume that everybody here has it all together. I don't want you to assume that I have it all together. Sometimes I may need to lean on you and you need, may need to lean on me. We need to lean on each other, but we need to be closer focused to Jesus Christ. We don't want to get off track, right? So if you need help in that, come and ask. Um, we got people, myself, and we help each other out. If you don't know what to do, if you've not done that, just ask. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you. Word, and it just challenges us. It challenges me, and I look at that, and I realize we live in this culture that just throws out a lot, a lot of uh, cliche kind of things about about the about religion and that kind of stuff. And we're confident that you don't really care about religion. You care about relationship. And the question that I always come down to for myself is, and for all of us, is do we have a relationship with Jesus? Because if we don't know you, we can do anything. We can be religious about a lot of stuff, and it will not matter. God, I just pray that you help me. You help us, each of us. To seek you first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That all these things might be added unto us. Help us not to take for granted how important this is. Because if we have faith in you, that's a wonderful thing. Help us not to take for granted, though, that 
how, how important it is to, to be in a relationship with you. God, we just pray that you help us in this journey, uh, help us to help each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.